Today is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. On this day in 1978, over $5.8 million in cash and jewelry were stolen from the John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York City. Today, the spoils of the robbery are valued at around $22.6 million, making it one of the largest robberies ever carried out on American soil. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Saruti, of the podcast Red Handed. Along with her partner, Hannah, Saruti's show covers all manner of true crime stories, everything from serial killers to hauntings to whodunits. She's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story while I'll cover the narrative. Glad to have you. Thanks, Vanessa. And hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to dive into the background of this crazy heist and the mafia family that carried it out. Now, let's go back to December 11th, 1978, around 3 a.m., just as a van full of gunmen pulled up to a warehouse at JFK Airport. Harry Whalen yawned as he headed back to the cargo warehouse after transferring a shipment. He was so tired, he almost walked through the door without noticing a strange black van parked near the loading dock. Intrigued, Whalen approached the vehicle slowly, squinting to peer through the windows. Just as he got close, two men jumped out of the back and pistol-whipped him on the head. Before Whalen could even cry out, the men dragged him to the van and threw him inside. Though he was dazed, Whalen could feel a third man dig through his pockets and take out his wallet. The stranger read out his address from his driver's license. Then he promised to kill Whalen's family if he didn't do exactly as the gunmen demanded. Whalen hurriedly nodded and promised he'd do whatever they asked. His attackers dragged him to the loading dock, where three other masked men were waiting. There, the group intentionally made a commotion outside the door to attract the attention of senior warehouse employee Rolf Rebman. Rebman came to investigate, only to be ambushed by the six armed men outside. The intruders quickly overpowered him and forced their way inside the warehouse. They handcuffed Redman and then fanned out through the hallways in search of other cargo agents. After they took down two more with ruthless efficiency, they headed to the break room, still dragging the wounded Whalen along with them. The thieves burst into the room and forced the workers inside down to the ground. Their guns were terrifying enough, but what really scared the warehouse employees was that the thieves knew each of them by name. This was no amateur robbery. It was a coordinated assault. With tactics like these, the gunmen had no trouble convincing a senior employee to call in night supervisor Rudy Eirich via the intercom. Eirik was the only guard on duty who knew the combination to the vault and was essential to the intruder's plans. 
Three of the thieves ambushed Eirik as he walked toward the cafeteria. At gunpoint, they forced him to lead them down to the vault. The guard opened the first of two doors meant to secure the money. The thieves rifled through invoices, trying to figure out which boxes in the vault contained cash. It only took them a matter of minutes to find the right shipment. They had Eirik open the second door to the vault and quickly located the boxes they wanted. While Eirik lay on the floor, fearing for his life, the robbers frantically threw the cash through the door. By 4.30 a.m., it had all been loaded onto the van. The whole thing had gone off without a hitch and had taken hardly more than an hour. The van sped from JFK to Brooklyn and pulled into a nondescript garage. There, the money was transferred to another vehicle while the original van was driven to a scrapyard and disposed of. Then the money was on the move yet again, this time to a safe house. There, Jimmy the Gent Burke, the mafia member who'd orchestrated the whole thing, finally got a chance to count his score. He was expecting a cool $2 million for the job, not too bad for a couple of hours of work. But as his associates went through the boxes and the total kept climbing, his jaw dropped. By the end, they had counted nearly $6 million. Burke realized he had just pulled off the largest cash robbery ever on American soil. He would be a legend. But his initial celebration would soon be overshadowed by paranoia, police pressure, and murder. Coming up, we discuss the conclusion of one of the biggest robberies in American history. Now, back to the story. On the morning of December 11, 1978, a secure warehouse at JFK Airport was raided by several masked gunmen. The robbers made off with close to $6 million in cash and jewelry in just over an hour. My guest host, Saruti, is going to take over from here to discuss the details of what became known as the Lufthansa heist. Thanks, Vanessa. Lufthansa, a German airline, regularly shipped large amounts of money from currency exchanges to JFK. Most of the cash was in small, non-sequential bills, essentially making it untraceable. Airport employee Lewis Werner believed it was the perfect target for a heist. Werner had significant gambling debts. He tried to pay his bookie back by tipping him off about the easy score. The bookie took the information to Henry Hill, a friend of notorious Lucchese crime family associate Jimmy Burke. Burke took over the planning with the help of Werner and the bookie. The robbery was originally scheduled to occur later than December 11th, but a clerical delay expedited the heist. Usually the money flown in by Lufthansa was kept in the vault for only a few hours. But on the weekend before December 11th, a large shipment was mishandled and was forced to stay in the warehouse over the weekend. When Werner heard about the delay, he alerted his mafia contacts. Jimmy Burke recognized it as a golden opportunity. With the delay, 
he and his crew would have plenty of time to get the job done early on Monday morning, December the 11th, when security would be lighter. But though the robbery itself went off without a hitch, it didn't take long for authorities to determine who was responsible. After all, the Lucchese crime family and the Gambino family had been pulling off jobs in the JFK airport for years. After a couple of days, the FBI determined Jimmy Burke's crew were the culprits. But proving it wouldn't be nearly so easy. Burke was known to be a reckless, violent man, and nobody would testify against him. Luckily, police caught a break and found other evidence. The getaway driver, Parnell Stephen Edwards, was supposed to drive the robbery van to be compacted in a junkyard after the heist. But instead, he'd gotten drunk and left the van abandoned in the city. Police recovered the van and found Edward's fingerprints all over the wheel. But before police could act on the evidence, Jimmy Burke had Edwards whacked for his incompetence. And that was far from the end of the violence. Burke also had the bookie who originally contacted Henry Hill murdered to cover his tracks. Meanwhile, authorities turned their attention to the inside man, Lewis Werner. They built a case against him over the next few months, and he was convicted for his involvement on May 16, 1979. But fearing mob retaliation, Werner refused to cooperate with detectives, even after he was convicted. He had reason to be scared. Burke continued to kill anyone who might have been able to implicate him in the theft. By June 1979, eight men were dead or missing. The killing spree silenced many, and police were left with little to go on. But they continued investigating. And in 1980, they finally caught a break after arresting mobster Henry Hill on narcotics charges. Hill, who had originally connected the bookie with Jimmy Burke to plan the heist, was convinced he was next on Burke's hit list. He agreed to testify about Burke's involvement in hundreds of crimes unrelated to the heist. With his testimony, police managed to convict Burke on a separate murder charge, as well as on conspiracy charges for a sport betting scam. Burke was sentenced to 40 years to life in jail for both crimes and died in prison in April of 1996. Henry Hill entered the Witness Protection Program. Though police eventually arrested those responsible for the robbery, most of the money from the heist was never recovered. Like so many of the Mafia's exploits from those years, the inner workings of the Lufthansa heist remain a mystery part of the legend of organized crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Saruti, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, you can find my podcast Red Handed on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're listening to Today in True Crime, I assume that you like true crime. And that's what we at Red Handed are all about. We put out a weekly episode every Thursday a different case every single time. So yeah, come check us out and see what you think. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 
Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Terrell Wells, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 